So this weekend, we have a guest speaker with us. His name is Jonathan Wiggins, and he's from Resurrection Fellowship in Northern Colorado. I'm telling you what, you guys are going to be inspired, impacted. His message is anointed. So all of you, please open your hearts and your minds to Jonathan Wiggins. Jubilee, who's happy? Uh, you can do better than that. Who's happy? Come on. All right, I'm looking around. I want you to know you look good. I see Jesus on you. Let's warm up the room. Why don't you uh, help me break the ice? Turn to your neighbor, look right at him, and uh, pay him a compliment. Say, have you lost weight? You look amazing. I am a lead pastor over at Res Church in Loveland, and I can just tell you, uh, uh, this pastor's heart is full. Anytime Colorado weather looks this good and people come to church anyway, come on. Pastor John's doing something right at Jubilee. So I want to give you guys an attaboy uh, for that. So thank you for being here. It's my honor to be here and stand in Pastor John's place. He uh, must trust me a lot to uh, entrust you guys to me for a, a, an hour or so. Glad that you're here. Let me just take a minute to honor uh Pastor John, he probably would be embarrassed for me to say all this stuff about him, but he's not here and he can't stop me. But uh, Pastor John Leach and John and Chris are some of the finest, uh, most encouraging, value-adding ministry friends uh, that I have. And the way Pastor John Leach encourages me, uh, keeps me encouraged, and let me say this, and if you know him at all, you know this about him, nobody honors other people the way John Leach does. And just being around him, I feel like a bigger deal, you know. And uh, love that love that couple. And I want you to know whether or not you know it, you have some awesome, awesome pastors. All right. Very good. I uh, Not my first time to be here, but it's been a while since I've been here. And my family has grown a little and changed. And so I thought I would uh, once again introduce my family to you guys. So we have a picture I think we're going to bring up of my crew here. It looks like a city. My family looks like a big city, guys. All right, well, let's uh, thank, the, they're so beautiful, aren't they? You guys see them, we have it? Okay, on the left is my daughter, Sarah. She's a dancer and a singer, and she loves drama. And then uh, Maddie there is an incredible, she's academic. Uh, she's an incredible friend. She's a behind-the-scenes kind of person. She likes logistics and management. And uh, then in the middle is my son, Sam. He's 12. He likes uh, anything that has to do with sports or being outside. He loves that. And come on, Amy. I mean, we've been in love for almost 22 years and four kids and be praying for us. We're praying about getting married. It's not just kidding. It's right here. It's totally legal. I thought I'd just see if you guys were paying attention. And then my son, Nathan, there to the right, uh, who is engaged to Maddie Boylan. And they'll be getting married uh, next month. So be praying for them because they have everything they need except money. <laughs> Would you please uh, give it up for my beautiful family? It's an honor to be here. What I want to do is share with you a message about perspective. Uh, I think it's so important that you and I see through the circumstances of our lives, through the battles in our lives, to something that's invisible but eternal. How many of you know that what is eternal and true, most true, often is invisible? And it's important for us to see through the things that we can see with our uh, temporal, physical eyes and see what is the truth. And so hopefully today, I can help remind all of us uh, what the Bible says about how loved you are, how supported you are, so that we can live uh, out of that. 
what I want to do is start with 2 Kings, the sixth chapter. I'm going to set this up for you. It's a story of a prophet named Elisha who had this higher perspective. He saw what God was showing him. Even though he, and he could see exactly what you and I see, our circumstances, he could see battles, he could see troubles, but he could kind of see through that and see what God was trying to show him, and he would speak on God's behalf uh, to God's people. Elisha was a great and very honored uh, prophet. And there was a moment of time where he was kind of the intelligence agency for Israel, for the Israelites, uh, because God would give him their enemies' strategies in advance. There was a particular king and his armies who meant Israel harm. And Elisha, in his intimate times with God, God would give him the battle plans of the enemies before they would ever be able to come against Israel. So Israel would appear to be a few steps ahead. How many of you know it's good to have God in your intelligence agency? All right. Anyway, for whatever that's worth. And so, so this enemy king got really paranoid because it was obvious that somehow his secrets were leaking. And so he decided to put some pressure on his cabinet and his counselors, and he threatened their lives. He said, look, you're betraying me. There's a traitor in our midst, and I'm going to start taking your lives. How many of you know that's a good way to motivate people to action? Come on. And, uh, and so they started investigating, and they found out that it was, in fact, this Israelite, Elisha, who was hearing from God. And so they told the king, it's not us. You don't have a leaker. There's a prophet here who's just hearing from God on the other side. So the king sends an entire army uh, to kill one man. Have you ever had a bad day? <laughs> I just love this. And so, and Elisha, and he's got a servant, you know, they're just doing life. And, and one day, uh, uh, the servant wakes up, and this is where this scripture uh, catches on here, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord. So he's talking to his master, Elisha. What shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, meaning his servant, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Now imagine being a servant here and your boss is praying for you. You see trouble everywhere. You can't escape it. And your boss just says, oh, God, help him to see. I don't know, if I, if I was that servant, I might think, God, help this guy to see. You know, he's not, he's not seeing the gravity of the situation. Nevertheless, he prays this prayer. And then the servant looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Please notice these two men were seeing the same circumstances, but one saw through it into what is absolutely true. And the other one was troubled because he could only see what he could see with his eyes. How many of you know so much of our spiritual journey is a matter of perspective? That's the name of my message today. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, just like Elisha prayed that prayer for his servant. I pray that for all of us today, that you would open our eyes to see through our trouble, through that thing that we face, and see what is absolutely true so that we can bring your kingdom with us through all, all seasons. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. How many of you know perspective matters? I was uh, recently at a conference, and the pastor of Hillsong, Brian Houston, was sharing a story about a friend of his who had been in Central Park in uh, New York and, and was mugged. And he was mugged by a guy wearing a, a face mask, and he had a knife in his hand, and, uh, and he hurt this guy, and he took all of his money. 
and uh, the guy needed medical attention, so he went to a hospital. There was a doctor there. Well, let me describe the doctor for you. He had a mask on his face. He had a knife in his hand, and he ended up taking all the guy's money. And I'm telling you, sometimes, I love that, because sometimes uh, we think there's a mugger attacking us in life when really God is sending something that can be the medicine for our soul. And I just, my prayer is that you and I can see that God has got a plan, even through difficult circumstances. And so here's this servant, and here's Elisha. One is only looking at circumstances. The other one is looking through with this, this different perspective to see what God was showing him. If I was the servant, it would be very rational for me to feel like I was very much alone. Like I had no allies strong enough or numerous enough to defeat the enemy that I could not escape. Secondly, I would feel very forsaken. Nobody loves me. Like, where is God? Why doesn't he love me enough to rescue me? Now, he's about to get rescued, but he doesn't see that yet. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Or what about this? The enemy has surrounded me. So therefore, nothing that I do in the next few moments can bring me success. I mean, no matter what I do, I could fight maybe two or three of them, maybe five of them, but eventually I will fail. And then, therefore, because nothing I do will succeed, nothing that I do really matters. I think that would be an entirely rational viewpoint for this person who's just trusting what they can see with their earthly vision. But Elisha's perspective, seeing the same circumstances, but also seeing what God was showing him, which is that invisible, eternal truth, recognizes something very different. And it would be very rational for Elisha to have a different attitude. His attitude would be this. I am surrounded by heaven. I am surrounded by angels. I am surrounded by God's resources and God's help. Number two, I'm not forsaken. I am secure in God's love. God loves me so much, he sent these armies on my behalf that's more numerous than my enemy. Just so you guys know, I'm already preaching good. Thought you'd like to know that. When people respond, I preach faster. It's just a free tip. I thought you'd like to know. Thirdly, if God's armies are on my side, it would be perfectly rational for Elisha to think, nothing that I do in this moment can cause me to fail. And then finally, my purpose has been set before me. It's, it's not like the servant who says, nothing that I would do matters because gonna, we're going to be overwhelmed and overcome. No, no, no. I am surrounded by heaven. I am loved by God. I cannot fail because God is for me, and I cannot even escape my calling because if I ran as hard as I could, where would I go to escape these people that think they're my enemy? And let me tell you, that put Elisha in such a position that he wasn't even thinking about himself. He started interceding for the enemies, and God blinded them, and he took them to a place where they were surrounded by an army they could see. And when God opened up their eyes, they were afraid. And instead of ordering their execution, Elisha, caring for them, he orders that, uh, that God's people prepare them a meal. And he ends up feeding. And a lot of us know the story of the enemies, you know, coming to attack uh, Elisha and the servant. And Elisha saying, God, open his eyes because there are more with us than with them. But, but not so many of us hear messages taught on the aftermath, which is Elisha was so secure in, in his standing with God in the truth that he actually served them food. He cared for their physical needs and then sent them home, and those people did not have the will to battle with him for a season. 
I love that. I love the fact that that Elisha had this strong standing and sense of who he was and what God was doing so that he wasn't even self-focused in times of crisis. I don't know about you, but when I face crisis, a lot of times I tend to focus on me. And I think God's calling you and me to recognize we are all these things. We're surrounded. We're loved. We, we cannot ultimately fail if God is for us. You guys believe that today? Yeah, and that our purpose is set before us. What I want to do is show you that all four of those things are true in your life too. I'm going to use the scriptures from the word of God to demonstrate this for you. That you are not alone, you are not forsaken, you are not ultimately going to fail. And your purpose is really not uh, uh, mysterious and far from you as if to say nothing I do really has significance. But God's purpose has been set before you. Let's go through this. Let's start with the first one. I'm not alone. Write this down. I am surrounded. I am surrounded. The Bible says by a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and then it goes on and gives us some instructions, we'll get to in just a few minutes. Have you ever walked into a room and suddenly you realized you were the center of attention and you didn't realize it? Has that ever happened to you? My, my wife and I, one time, we went and visited a church. And uh, we sat on the back row because we don't get to do that. Often we're on the very front row. And it's like, we, you know, we had a weekend off. And so I thought, we'll just sneak in. We'll be invisible. We sat on the very back row. And this church, the worship leader decided to do a song that everybody knew except me and my wife. And it was a song that got to this point where it says, the north, the south, the east, and the west. And uh, we were on the south side of the sanctuary in the back row. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody's singing, and they all point their finger, and they point north toward the pulpit, you know, toward the front of the church. And then the entire church turns around, and we didn't know this was coming. They all turn around, and so you're going to be me, and I'm going to be them. And all of a sudden, they all turn around and go, south. And the entire church was not only looking at me and my wife, but they were pointing at us. And we just look at each other. It seemed like dog years. It got seven times longer. You know, it's like they're never going to look away. And, uh, and we laughed and just, it was so embarrassing. Have you ever been in a place where suddenly you realize people, eyes are on you? Has that ever happened? Or what about when you're at a stadium? I think of this idea of being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, like a stadium and there's a sports field. Have you ever been in the stands and you expected to be invisible? Suddenly you see your face on that big screen. Has that ever happened to you guys? Right? And I, I go to games and I love it when I see people like a couple, they're kind of, and they realize they're on the, oh, they're on the big screen. You know, you just act a little different when you realize that, that you're surrounded by witnesses. Other people, man, they're, they're kind of cheering and in the moment, but when they realize everybody's looking at them or that camera's on them, they start acting crazy to try to keep the camera trained on them. Have you guys ever seen that? I think I have an illustration I want to show you just to make this point, and then I'll unpack that. So please trust me. Take a look at the screens. I think you'll like this.
Oh, come on, that's funny right there. Isn't that great? All right, now I want to show you this before and after photo. Here's this guy thinking that he is invisible and he's not surrounded. Then he realizes that he's surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. You guys with me? I think a lot of us are living our lives like the before guy. We don't realize, we just think we're kind of clocking day after day after day when all of heaven is surrounding us saying, Hercules, Hercules, you know, like it's game time. There's, you're surrounded. We have the great men and women of, of faith and scripture that went before us and now it's our turn. It's our generation. And all of heaven is surrounding you guys saying, Rudy, Rudy. You can do it. And a lot of us don't even realize there's a game to play. And we see the clock is ticking. We know we're mortal. We know the clock is ticking and time's running out. But we don't even realize that there's a game going or how to run the play. And I'm here to tell you that it's your turn. God has put breath in your lungs. He's got a calling on your life. All of heaven is surrounding you, shouting out your name. And it's time to live on purpose. It's time to run the play. You and I are surrounded. We're not alone. Heaven is watching. Not only are we surrounded, but we are secure in God's love. We are secure in God's love. A lot of times we feel forsaken or like, does God really love me? Am I really accepted? I want to just take a couple of moments here to demonstrate to you how stubborn God's love is for you. God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. Romans 8, 37 says this, Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. How many of you know that's good news? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. God loves you just like you are, and he loves you too much to leave you that way. You are loved. You're surrounded by heaven and you are loved. You are not alone and forsaken. You are surrounded, and you are loved. Number three, write this down. I am safe from failure. What I mean is, we may fail temporarily, but failure will not ultimately be our story. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I love that scripture. If you and I love the Lord, and if we put our faith in Jesus, we've been called to something, then God is working behind the scenes. So no matter what happens in your life, he's going to make a success out of it. It's going to be for your good. I just want you guys to know I'm more excited about this than you are. (laughs) How many of you are glad that all things work together for your good? And and let me say it this way. I think a lot of times we don't know if we're a success or a failure. And instead of taking our identity in that sense of ultimate success, if Jesus is for you, if Jesus has taken your brokenness and he's put his perfection on the inside of you and you're going home to heaven, ladies and gentlemen, you are successful in ways other people aren't. If we're accepted in the beloved, we are not a failure. And what I've found is that when we live kind of comparing to other people, 
are kind of living almost like an audition. If I do well, people will accept me and see me as a success, and if I don't, they'll reject me. That we will self-sabotage and we cripple the way that we uh, use our giftings and live our lives. Let me try to make that point. I used to be a worship pastor, played keys and would sing, and, and as leader of a worship team, we would have auditions because you don't just want anyone singing on your praise team. So I'd have somebody, you know, come up, Jonathan, oh, that was such a good worship service. Hey, I want to sing on your praise team. Okay, that's great. You know, do, do you do much singing? Well, not really, but my mama says I can sing. Your mama loves you. <laughs> your mama might be deaf. I don't know. So we're going to do an audition. And so we would set up an audition. And, and what I found is that when that audition uh, uh, kind of atmosphere is there, People never perform as well as when they know they're accepted. So I'd see a singer, they'd come in nervous, you know, cracking voice, you know, struggling. And I realized, okay, they're nervous. Why are they nervous, though? They're nervous because they think if I don't do really, really well, I'm going to get rejected. If I do well enough, I'll be accepted. That is the worst environment for a person to use their giftings. You guys here today? Yeah, that's the worst environment for someone to use their giftings. And I think some of us live life that way, like we're auditioning. And if we do well, you know, other people will think highly of us, want to be around us. And if we don't do so well, if we're not so successful, they'll start to kind of pull away from us and we'll start to feel like a failure. The worst thing in the world we can do, if we're serious about utilizing the gifts God's put on the inside of us, the worst thing we can do is live a life of comparison. Compared to that person, I'm not a success. Compared to that person, I'm not a success. And I want you to know, if Jesus is for you, who can be against you? You are accepted in the beloved, folks. You're ultimately successful. Not only that, but everything works out for your good eventually. Not only that, but I want to read this scripture to you. It, it has changed my life. I, I've read it all my life, but a few years ago, something hit me. In this verse, has that ever happened where you read the same verse and the same verse and all of a sudden it's like God opens it up to you? Well, this happened to me and I want to share it with you. Romans 8, 34. Who then is one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding. Everybody say interceding. He's also interceding for us. What does that mean? That means Jesus is praying for you. My grandmother is a woman of prayer. She, she's an intercessor. And there are times I'll call her and I'll say, hey, there's something going on. Would you be praying for me? And when my grandmother says, I'll pray for you, Jonathan, she means it. Not everybody in church who says they'll pray about something uh, is being serious. Sometimes that's just Christianese for no. It's like, hey, would you be willing to, you know, jump in with us and serve? They say, well, let me pray about that. And then you never see that person again. They forgot your name on the way out of the door, you know. It's like sometimes people say, I'll pray about it, and they don't really mean it. But have you ever been around somebody who really does pray? They really intercede, and when they say, I'm praying for you, or I'm going to pray for you, it just supercharges your heart. I, I tell you, that's how it is with my grandmother. Well, well, maybe you have somebody in your life that really does pray, that really intercedes, and when they're praying for you, it's encouraging. Let me tell you something. It's really good news. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, sits at the right hand of the Father praying for you. With Jesus praying for you, how can you fail? What a baseline. Like, what a, what a covering. 
that Jesus is praying. And then we can pray for each other, and there's a power of agreement. But every one of us who are believers, Jesus is advocating for you, praying for resources to come into your life, praying for grace to come into your life, knowing that things are going to work out for your good because he's advocating in the courts of heaven on your behalf. I'm making myself happy with this message. Aren't you glad this is true? We are surrounded. We are secure in God's love. We are safe from failure. In other words, failure will not ultimately be our story. And then finally, we are set, or I am set in my purpose. I see a lot of people, a lot of believers, when you ask them, hey, what's your purpose in life? What's your calling? Simply cannot answer that. People will come to me for counseling. It's like, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my destiny and my purpose is. And I want to tell you something. I don't think that our calling and purpose is supposed to be a mystery. Now, I'm not saying you and I know everything that God's doing behind the scenes or that everything he's going to, all the value he's going to get out of our lives. God is God and I'm not. But as I go through the word of God, I don't find anything about the will of God being something that is intentionally elusive from our lives that we can't reach and grab it. In fact, the Bible says, uh, uh, lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's pretty cut and dried. Just simply saying, God is in this. Maybe God didn't bring that bad circumstance, but God is here. Just acknowledge him in all of your ways and all of your aspects of your life, and he will direct your paths. In other words, boom, you'll be in your purpose. I think that's interesting. Back to that scripture that says we're surrounded. Let me read the rest of that verse, Hebrews 12.1. We're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set. Everybody say set. Set before us. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? That God has set something... You didn't have to feel around and find the race, the racetrack. God saw you and he set your purpose and your destiny in front of you. Elisha was standing there. He didn't pursue the armies, that enemy army. He was just minding his own business. And God set his next 24 hours of ministry in front of him. In all your ways, just acknowledge him and God will direct your paths. I think sometimes we make a mystery out of our calling when God is saying, no, I've already set something before you. Just be faithful in that thing. Be faithful in the thing I've given you, and then I will trust you with more. Colossians 3 says this. I'm making you guys say a lot of words, but just trust me. Whatever. Say the word whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You know what that's saying? Whatever you are doing today, make it a high calling. I think that's a profound thought. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. I think it's worthy of note that this passage of Scripture was written by the Apostle Paul to slaves, people who did not choose their work, they, were, they didn't have the privilege of self-determination. They didn't have any rights. They had been sold. They were dehumanized. They were doing things that other people didn't have to do because they were slaves. And Paul is talking to that group. You think your job is tough? And Paul is talking to that group, and he's saying, make it your ministry. 
You may not be able to change your circumstance right now, but you look upward and you say, for the glory of God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord in this situation. Whatever you do, I, I am a firm believer that every one of us has a whatever in our lives. Something set before us. It's that thing that when you put your head on the pillow at night, it's there in your mind. And when you wake up the next morning, it's there. I, I believe there's something inescapable, just like Elisha, those armies. He could not run fast enough to get away from those armies because God had set his ministry before him. When I was a teenager, for me, what was set before me was a broken relationship with my dad. He was physically abusive. I left home at 16, lived with another family. I won't get into the details except to say I know what it's like to be betrayed and hurt and broken and wounded. And when I would put my head on the pillow at night, I would think I, I would be hurt. I would think about something my father had done to me. I'd wake up the next day bitter, angry. That thing never left me. And then I realized the Lord was showing me your purpose today, all right, Try, try to catch this if you don't hear anything else today. You know, I'm broken, I'm, I'm, I'm bitter, this teenage kid. But at the same time, I wanted God's best for my life. I wanted a purpose and a calling. And I felt like God said, okay, you, you want your purpose? Your purpose is to work through the issues with your father. That thing that never leaves you, that's your purpose for right now. Now, God did not bring me the abuse, but God put my purpose right in the middle of that situation that I couldn't escape. You guys hear me today? And so this idea became, okay, my purpose is to reconcile. My purpose is to forgive. My purpose is to rebuild a relationship. And over time, and it took some years, I healed up. God spoke to me, identity, who I was. I reached out to my father. We reconciled. And just a few years ago, my dad said, Jonathan, you've taught me more about forgiveness than I ever knew possible. Now, please hear this. I don't think God brought that abuse into my life, but he can use everything. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called. And I believe that in the middle of that brokenness, that thing I could not escape, God set my purpose before me. And I think every single one of us, it might be uh, something that seems positive, like a relationship, you know, or some invention, some business idea that when you fall asleep, when you wake up, it's just always there. It's set before you. It might be a failure in your own life, maybe an a unfaithfulness in your marriage, and you're trying to hide it, and it's always there. God's going to say, no, there's an opportunity here for you to get faithful, for you to let the light in, for you to stand up and be the man and the woman that God's called you to be. I don't know if you guys are hearing me, but I'm telling you that whatever that thing is in your life, God has set his purpose for you right in the middle of that thing. And I think that's good news. Whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord, serving the Lord, because it is the Lord Christ who we serve. The race is set before us. My prayer for you today is that God will open all of our eyes, mine included, to get this fresh revelation that we are not alone, we're surrounded. That we are not forsaken, but we are secure in God's love. That we're not a failure, but that will not define our lives. Okay? And that we are set in our purpose. Why? Why have this perspective? Why does the church so badly need this perspective? And I think this is really where I'm trying to get. Because a lot of believers today have been given the Holy Spirit of God, the love of God, the acceptance of God. He's put all kinds of gifts and resources and helps 
and has poured out his grace and his love into your life. And here you and I are, and we're just full of all this good stuff, but we don't even know it. And we are still living to try to get acceptance and love when God's already given it to us. We're, we're still pursuing success when God said, look, you can't be any more successful than being accepted in the beloved. We're still pursuing some sense of significance and purpose when God is saying, no, 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 the whatever that's in front of you is your purpose. Now just be faithful and it will draw other people into the kingdom and into their life's purpose. Sometimes when I'm on my cell phone, I'll, you know, I'll be talking to somebody um, and then I'll need to get in my car and take a trip. And so I'll be talking and I'll find my keys and I found my keys and I'm ready to leave and go get in my car, but I can't find my phone. Has that ever happened? It's like, you're t- I was even, one time I was talking to my sister. I'm like, Lori, uh, hang on, I got to go someplace, but I- I've got to find my phone before I do. It's got my appointments and stuff like that. I'm looking around and Lori's like, duh, you're talking to me. Oh, okay. I think that's how a lot of us live our lives. We have all these gifts from God but we waste so many years of our lives pursuing things that God's already given us. I guess I came here to say it's time for us to mature to the place where we're not so self-focused, but we start doing the stuff God's called us to do. It has to do with maturity. It has to do with growing up. I I came here to tell you guys today to grow up. My nephew, his name's Corey. He, uh, his parents divorced, really ugly thing, and his mom got remarried. And, um, and he came to live at our house in Colorado. We're from Louisiana. He came to live with us for a couple of years. Ended up graduating from our Christian school in Loveland. And, and he would tell me from time to time, you know, I, I have so much peace here. When I'm in your house, I just feel peace. Or he'd come to the church, I feel the presence of God. I feel peace when I'm here. Now listen, I, nobody's perfect. You, you all know that. But Corey was not perfect. All right? Corey was kind of, a, he could be smart and a little aggressive sometimes. And I just kind of took it because I knew he needed to heal up. He needed some space. Well, then he graduated. He moved away, got married, went back down south, is living near his mom and her husband. And his little brother, Tristan, not too long ago, got kicked out of the house. And Tristan needed a place to stay. And Corey said, all right, well, you can come stay with us. You got to see kind of how that came full circle, right? And so my, my nephew, Corey, he calls me, and he's, he's stressed. Uncle Jonathan, I, I need some help. I need some advice. I'm like, what's up? He said, well, Tristan's come to live with me. And, and, and he, is, he is messy. And he, he doesn't clean up. He doesn't wash the dishes. He doesn't clean up after himself. He washes his clothes. But, but uh, yesterday, he took... Uh, uh, Corey's wife's uh, clothes that were in the dryer out of the dryer and just threw them on the floor so he could dry his clothes. Because, you know, to a kid, the floor is pretty clean. (laughs) And Corey was angry, and so he talked to Tristan about it, and Tristan, like, mouthed off. He was lipping off to him, you know. And Corey was really, really angry because, and and he said, I just, I'm so angry, I want to move back to your house. (laughs) I was like, Jesus, if you're interceding, please don't let him move back to my house. All right. I said, why? He said, because when I was at your house, I had peace, and I feel pressure here, but I had peace at your house. When I was at your church, I felt peace, but I have pressure. I can't find a church where I I feel God's presence like I do at your church. You know, I just wish I could move back. I said, wait just a minute. 
I said, you and I are older than we've ever been. I don't know how many of you guys are older than you've ever been. I said, I'm going to tell you something I've never said to you before. When you were at my house, you felt safe, but I didn't. You came to my house, and you said stuff to me that hurt me. You messed stuff up around my house. I cleaned it up. Because you see, I wasn't searching for the atmosphere. God had grown me up to the point where I was the dad. I was providing the atmosphere. When you came to my church, you felt peace. I said, but when I walk through my church, I don't always feel peace. You'll be amazed at how cruel church people can be to a pastor. Trying to help, really, really good intentions. And they say things, and you just go, oh, man, and you leave, and it hurts. I said, Corey, the reason it felt peaceful in the church, the reason it felt peaceful in my house is because I limited my responses. In other words, I didn't treat you the way you treated me. I said, it's time for you to grow up, and it's time for you to limit your responses to Tristan. Yeah, I feel like God sent him here. And I said, well, let me tell you something I heard one time. I heard a preacher one time say, if you want to be a bridge to the world, get ready to get walked on. I said, Corey, I think when you talk about moving back to Colorado, you are seeking for an atmosphere that God has equipped you to provide. It's just time to grow up and do it. I'm here to tell you this morning, saints of God, quit looking for the church where the Spirit moves and bring the Holy Spirit of God with you to church. Quit looking for friends who won't hurt your feelings and step in and be a person who promotes and provides an atmosphere of safety. Stop looking for people who will apologize to you and apologize to them. You guys hear me today? You are accepted. You are beloved. You have all that stuff. Just all that grace that God has given you, all he asks is that you and I give it away. We already have it. Sometimes we can have it. And forget we have it. Here's my last story. I was, I was in Jerusalem. I took my oldest son, Nathan, to Israel for his senior trip. He didn't want to do a traditional senior trip. He, wanted, he had never been to Israel, wanted me to take him. And so I, I took him out there. And before I left, my mother had gotten a diagnosis of terminal cancer. And so I had spent a lot of time with my mom during that time. And that trip was getting closer, and I just sat down with my mother and said, look, for my son, he views this as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I, I agree with him. Uh, he's going to be moving on, college, and, you know, then life happens. I said, but, Mom, I don't want to miss out on any time with you. And she said, don't you dare deprive Nathan of this trip to Israel. You and I have said everything we need to say. And so she released me. We went to Jerusalem, to Israel. While we were in Jerusalem, I got a FaceTime call from my sister, my brother, my mom had died. I was, just, I was just heartbroken and was kind of feeling sorry for myself and feeling guilty that I wasn't there. Then I went to King of Kings congregation that night uh, in Jerusalem. It's an amazing congregation. and Worship was rich. And then they, they introduced a guest speaker, Rich Wilkerson, Jr. Rich Wilkerson, Jr. Um, I wonder how many of you know what his dad's name was. Okay, yeah, his name's Bruce. That's right. That's great. Okay. <laughs> Rich Wilkerson Sr. was a successful pastor in the Florida area, made a huge impact for the kingdom of God. And then his son, in that great atmosphere, kind of stood on his dad's shoulders, launched another ministry, and God's just doing even greater things with Rich Wilkerson Jr. 
And, uh, and I'm hearing this young man preach, and, and it was so stirring to my soul, but I started feeling a little bit envious and jealous. I just lost my mom, and my dad had been so hard on me, and I didn't even live at home in my later teenage years. And I felt like I had been robbed of this same kind of gift. And when I went back to the hotel with my son, Nathan, I told him, I said, man, I feel jealous. He's like, what do you mean? I said, this guy was raised in a, like probably a perfect home. His dad loved him, set him up to succeed. He carried that mantle of ministry, and he is just tearing it up. He's doing such a great job uh, uh, in building the kingdom. And my son Nathan looked at me. We're talking about perspective. My son Nathan looked at me and said, don't ever say that again. I said, what do you mean? He said, Dad, you're in your 40s. You're not ever going to get a physical earthly father. Like, you got the one you've got. He said, but for all these years I've been growing, you have been providing for me what Rich has. You guys catch it? It's like, then I realized that there's richness. There was, there's, there's purpose. There's a transcendent quality of what, even though I didn't have the right perspective, I, I was just kind of muscle memory doing what God called me to do, but I had the wrong perspective for a minute, and it was my son who said, no, 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 you're past that time. It's time. This is what I'm saying, guys, today. What my son was telling me is my sermon to you. Sometimes we keep searching after stuff that we already have re- received. Maybe my father will never be proud of me. My heavenly father has accepted me. and He's given me everything I need so that I can be a great dad and provide for my kids what I wish I would have gotten, but that era is over. My prayer for you is that you and I would stop running around using up our time and our resources trying to chase after the things that God has already given us. And instead, just look at what's been set before us and say, I'm surrounded by heaven's resources. I am loved by God. I cannot fail. And I'm going to be faithful in this thing. I hope this has been an encouragement for you guys. What I'd like to do is just take a minute and pray this over you and seal up this moment. God bless you guys. Father, I pray right now that you would just open our eyes to see the truth. So many of us are chasing after, longing after things that we already have been given by your hand. I pray that you would open up our eyes to not just see, Father, what you've done for us, but to see the tremendous need around us, tremendous opportunities that we have to be bringers of the kingdom, bringers of the light to a dark world. I bless every person under the sound of my voice. I just pray, God, that your presence would linger with us as we leave today. I pray that John and Chris would have an awesome time away, a refreshing time away. And I pray your richest blessings over Jubilee. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, let's worship together.